transmission. Hello and welcome to EU Watchdog Radio. I'm Paul Creaney from Counterbalance, a non-profit organisation holding public investment banks in Europe accountable. I'll be sharing presenting duties on EU Watchdog Radio with Hans van Scharen going forward. But fear not, Hans will be back in a few weeks. How would you feel if I refused to tell you who was on today's podcast? And if I refused to tell you what they were talking about? And there is no way I could tell you who they worked for. This is the attitude currently taken by the European Investment Bank. The bank is hoping to pump 200 billion euros into the European economy using its new European Guarantee Fund. In theory, this fund will help businesses recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. However, the bank is keeping almost all information about this fund secret. From who makes the decisions to who will actually benefit, the European Guarantee Fund is shrouded in mystery. Thankfully, at EU Watchdog Radio, we are far more transparent. I'm joined today by Counterbalance Director Xavier Sol. For over a decade, Xavier has been campaigning to make the European Investment Bank respect human rights, fight the climate crisis and improve its transparency. We will discuss how the bank is handing out billions of euros of public money while dodging public scrutiny. We will also talk about what the bank could be hiding. Spoiler alert, it could be hiding quite a lot. Xavier will explain how this lack of transparency could allow the European Guarantee Fund to provide support for big banks and not the small businesses it claims to be helping. Worst of all, the European Guarantee Fund could be pouring taxpayers' money into asset-backed securities. This financial instrument was partly responsible for the 2008 financial crisis. This would mean the European Investment Bank was providing a hidden bailout to large banks, while ordinary people struggle with the cost of living crisis. So Xavier, firstly, what is the European Investment Bank and what does it do? Hello. So um, the European Investment Bank, that we will call the EIB, <laughs> to make it short, uh, is the bank of the European Union. So it's the financial arm of the EU, and it is owned by the 27 European governments. So together, they injected cash into that institution so that this bank can invest in projects, operations that support the policies of the European Union. And here we are speaking about, you know, support to innovation, um, to the energy sector, to transport. So most of the operations from that public bank are concrete projects on the ground. You may think about like a motorway, a bridge, um, uh, renovation of schools. So a large majority traditionally have been loans going to this kind of projects. 
And also you have a different side of what the, the EIB is doing, which is more support to the financial sector so that banks can then support small and medium enterprises and the private sector. So you have a variety of, um, you know, activities, projects being financed across Europe and also outside of Europe and the, and the European Union. And the EIB has grown like massively over the last decade. Um, it's the biggest public bank in the world at the moment, bigger than the World Bank, actually, in terms of volumes of operations. Just to give one figure, last year in 2021, Together, the EIB group signs operations were worth 95 billion euros. So that's, you know, a massive macroeconomic role that, um, that the bank is playing, especially in Europe. Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely a significant player in, um, uh, European public finance and public finance more generally. And what has the bank done in response to the economic crisis caused by COVID-19? So when the COVID-19 crisis hit, very soon, actually, or rather quickly, European governments felt about what to do about it in terms of calling public finance at the rescue. Um, there have been a lot of various instruments put in place, some quite visible, mediatic. You may have heard about the next generation EU, so the so-called recovery and resilience facility which under which for the first time you have the commission the european commission raising money on financial markets to finance um you know actually what the governments <laughs> want to finance across europe um so that was maybe the the most important part of the package and then you had other instruments developed as well i think the european central bank in terms of the monetary creation uh, you know created a lot of instruments and then you have some less visible parts of the EU economic recovery package that are there. And the EIB developed specific instruments um, within that overall economic recovery package. First, there was a commitment for a so-called emergency package, which is mostly to involve more in the health sector, provide assistance to some banks and investment funds across Europe. So there was an emergency response. And then there was a specific tool created, um, a fund, so-called European Guarantee Fund. Um, and that was maybe the most innovative part of the EIB's reaction to the COVID-19 crisis, um, yeah, under which basically the European governments decided, all right, we're going to set a fund for the EIB to be able to invest more across Europe so that, you know, it can save maybe some jobs and keep some companies afloat. So certainly that, let's say the EIB side of the EU economic recovery package was not the most visible, the most mediatic, but as counterbalance, this is really what we do, trying to track those, um, you know, um, instruments using public money that are a bit more under, under the radar in general and out of the scope of, you know, journalists um, and decision makers. So we've been looking into that specific part. Okay, and the value of the fund? Um, can you give us some information on the amount of money involved in the European Guarantee Fund? Yes, concretely, we are speaking about a guarantee fund 
of 25 billion euros, which the European Investment Bank then uses to leverage more investments. So out of these 25 billion euros, the EIB aims to mobilize investments worth 200 billion euros in the next years. Um, what is being done in practice? You have the European Investment Bank, including its investment arm, which is the European Investment Fund, really specialized in targeting investment funds. Together, they provide support to banks, public and private banks across Europe, and investment funds for those institutions to then channel money to small and medium enterprises, but not only, also to um, medium-sized companies. Um, I think the, the initial goal from the governments, uh, European governments, when they set that specific fund, was to be a protection shield for European businesses and really help the private sector recover from the pandemic, hire employees, grow, and to mobilize extra finance from the private sector. Concretely, what does it mean? What has been done since that tool was set up in 2020? We analyzed figures from the end of October last year, 2021, and we were speaking about almost 300 operations. So 288 operations worth 18 billion euros that were already approved by the EIB and with the aim to leverage around 130 billion euros. Um, where that money is supposed to go to, as I mentioned already, small and medium enterprises are the core target. So two-thirds of the European Guarantee Fund should go um, to small and medium enterprises. But then there is still this last third, uh, which targets bigger companies. Um, so middle-sized companies that have more than 250 employees. And from our research so far, the countries where this European Guarantee Fund has been most active so far are Spain, Italy, and France. At least in terms of volume of public money going there under that specific instruments, these are really the countries where um, you know most have gone to. So a lot of money is being involved in the uh, creation and uh, instrumentalization of the European Guarantee Fund. Um, but what are the transparency issues around the fund and what information um, is the EIB hiding? What we did over the last months was trying to understand what is really happening under the European Guarantee Fund, ask questions to the EIB, to some of the banks getting money from the, from the EIB, about what they were actually doing with those massive credit lines and guarantees um, coming from the EU level. And we basically faced a real wall in terms of transparency. So for us at the moment, I would say that's the, the, the biggest issue we've identified. Um, to give a few examples, there is no full list of operations uh, available in the public domain names of banks and funds that got um, significant money from the EIB and the European Investment Fund are available, but not the full list. In terms of decision-making, there are no 
minutes of you know the governing bodies of that fund available. It's not clear what the different positions of the European governments are. Um, the amounts for the for the specific operations are not available in, in, in the public domain. And of course, it's just impossible to get access to any contracts and to check what are the conditions placed for the use um, of public money here. And altogether, there is no, re no real way to know how the money is being used, apart from, let's say, the rather vague description that, you know, these 200 uh, million euros credit line to that bank in Italy is used for supporting SMEs. Basically, you don't get much more information than that. Um, the re big reason and argument used by the EIB and by the banks benefiting from EIB money themselves relates to business confidentiality that you cannot disclose those information in the public domain. Um, actually, that's a usual problem that we identified whenever there is a public bank channeling money to the financial sector. It's extremely hard to really know what's happening. So in our view, this question of transparency is central and one that is not addressed at all at the moment um, at the level of the European Guarantee Fund, but I would even say in broader terms around public banks supporting the financial sector. Because of this lack of transparency at uh, uh, the EIB, uh, what are the risks that um, you have identified in terms of how the European Guarantee Fund works? Our biggest concern is that we end up in a situation where you have billions of euros of public funds going to the financial sector commercial banks, investment funds, but with little strings attached. Very little conditions in terms of, for instance, ensuring there is no environmental and social harm being done from the investment. Um, you know, no clear conditions in terms of job creation, job protection. protection. Um, the fact that there is little transparency makes it extremely hard to understand what are the real impacts. And our fear is that because this transparency issue is intrinsic to this, you know, kind of schemes where you have an intermediate, uh, intermediate channeling money, um, to the private sector that we are facing now this wall on transparency. But maybe in two years, when decision makers will try to understand what has happened, they will face the same problem. Um, so really, you know, the unclarity about the conditions attached to the financing. And a little public scrutiny uh, that is linked to that. And I mean, here we are speaking about big banks getting public funds. Credit Agricole in France, Intesa Sao Paulo, different branches of ING, Raiffeisen, Santander, BNP Paribas. You name those. These are banks, um, big banks across Europe. Not only big banks are benefiting, but still you have those big names. And I mean, many NGOs, critical decision makers have documented, uh, you know, some of the wrongdoings of those institutions and some problems linked to their operations. And because of the lack of 
transparency, scrutiny, the unclarity about the conditions passed to the financing, we basically fear that this is a blank check given to the financial sector. Is it also possible that the European Guarantee Fund could be used by the EIB to fund uh, fragile financial instruments or even instruments that were implicated in the last financial crisis in 2008? Yes, certainly. That's that's also an issue there because um, there are different tools used under the European Guarantee Fund. You have guarantees passed on to banks for them to uh, support small and medium enterprises. There are, there are different different ways. Also, traditional credit lines and loans are being used. But there is also so-called securitization that is being done. And that's basically a technique of financial engineering that has been indeed one of the causes of the last financial crisis. But there is a revival, clearly, of securitization at European level. And here, public funds are being used to push um, that agenda further. In practice, it means that the European Investment Bank or the European Investment Fund, which together are the, the, the two implementers of the European Guarantee Fund, they provide a guarantee to a bank to cover the risk linked to a tranche of existing assets. In practice, it's a portfolio of loans that this bank has that is being divided in different tranches and that bank hedges the risk on the tranches on the financial markets. And here the EIB is protecting, guaranteeing a tranche of these assets. The rationale behind it is that thanks to this support, the private bank will be able to reflect the advantage it got thanks to the guarantee from the EIB to provide extra loans to small and medium enterprises that it could it would not have done without that support from the EIB. So it's a quite in, intricate financial technique. But at the end of the day, you know the EIB is clearly, you know, supporting financial techniques and financialization at large. While on paper, this is really supposed to be about reaching out to the real economy. But one way for the bank to do it is indeed to to use these um, questionable financial financing techniques. And for us, what's problematic in, in there is also that there, there hasn't been really a public debate about it. Um, and we think these are important matters on which, you know, national parliaments, the European Parliament should really have a say. And this has not really been the case uh, at the time being. And finally, what do you think could have been done differently with the European Guarantee Fund? First of all, coming back to, to, to the last question, I think having more democratic debate about the setting up of these instruments is important. Of course, there was a situation of emergency, urgency linked to the, to the pandemic and, you know, fighting some of its harmful financial and economic impacts. But still, the experience 
from other instruments shows that one, once at the level of the European Union at least, once a new instrument is being set, it is there to remain. Maybe the name will change in the future, but that instrument <laughs> will remain one way or another. It's pretty likely. We saw it for, for various investment initiatives at European level. So the democratic debate did not really happen when it was set up. Now we think it's still time to do it, especially if there is an expansion um, and a rollout in the future of this instrument. So the accountability, you know, uh, of the decision making and of the instrument needs to be raised. That's very clear. That's a starting point. And then I think the transparency issue. Um, the arguments around business confidentiality that we get and which is used by the EIB and by the banks and funds getting money from the EIB not to disclose anything is not acceptable because we're speaking about public money and the reality is that when you pay to access certain databases, actually you can access some of this information. <laughs> Companies know. So some of the arguments that are being brought forward are actually partly misleading. And since we are speaking about public money, there should really be an effort on transparency. The key argument opposed to more transparency is the use of, you know, business confidentiality, uh, the protection of commercial interest. But we know that in practice, many of the, many companies, many investors, they pay huge fees to get access to databases where some of the information is there. For the public, it's impossible to do that. So some of the arguments that are opposed to more transparency are actually misleading. And what we call for is, indeed, you know, opening the black box on how those banks, those funds are using public money. That is central to us. And there could be different ways to do that. But one could be that at least for the projects that can have higher environmental and social impacts, more information could be disclosed, including the identity of the companies benefiting from the funds. Because right now, I mean, whoever tries to, to dig into these instruments will not be able to access any name of company that is at the end of the chain, you know, benefiting from, from public money. And this is certainly, you know, a central matter that should be addressed, but it's clear that there is fierce resistance from the European Investment Bank. It's been a decade that we've been campaigning on these issues and there is massive resistance. And of course, the banks and funds who themselves receive public money, they won't ask proactively, you know, for more transparency. This needs to be imposed, negotiated strongly by the European Investment Bank. By the moment, there is no appetite from the institution and the European governments seem to be rather satisfied with this situation. But to us, the status quo is clearly unacceptable on transparency. So we really call on other institutions like the European Parliament, the European Commission to raise their voice and try to open up that black box. Because at the end of the day, these new instruments that are being put in place, like the European Guarantee Fund, they are supposed to really benefit European citizens, their territories, finance the real economy. But you know, at this stage, it's still unclear who, who really benefits from that specific instrument, the European Guarantee Fund, for example. 
Is it really the small and medium enterprises that get financed at the end of the chain? Or is it a kind of hidden type of support, even bailout, one can say, of the financial sector? That is a pending question. But with the level of transparency that is there, at the moment, there is no clear evidence that, you know, um, there is a strong benefit for small and medium enterprises and employees across Europe. Okay, thank you, Xavier, and thank you for speaking with EU Watchdog Radio. We've now reached the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening and to Xavier for sharing his expertise. Thanks also to Mark Broner and Jan Calouette for their technical assistance. If you want to learn more about Counterbalance's work, check out our website and social media channels and subscribe to our newsletter. Stay tuned and stay safe.